Hello and welcome to the Quarter Portion Podcast, the only Star Wars podcast that will be back, and in greater numbers. I am your co-host, Chris DeHoog, and unfortunately I am not joined today by my good friend and co-host, Patrick Fletcher. Pat has been dealing with a crippling sciatic injury. Uh, this is an old condition that he aggravated back in May. This has led to our unfortunate and unexpected temporary hiatus. Pat is the wizard who edits our ep- episodes, and it's hard to spend hours hunched over a keyboard when you can barely sit still for a few minutes at a time. We've recorded two episodes since our last, when he had enough of a reprieve from pain, and they were hard on him. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't been in good enough shape to go through the editing process since. We really appreciate your patience in the meantime. Our friend Jen Johnson joined us on Father's Day weekend to continue our discussion about women in Star Wars. We had a great chat, and she's going to be helping us out with editing. We were looking forward to our review of The Empire Strikes Back, which has sadly been delayed. With a little luck, we can get that out soon and get back on track. In the meantime, uh, please send Pat your best wishes on our Facebook page or on his Twitter account, at Django Fletch. If you've been following our social media in the meantime, you're no doubt aware of the recent controversy surrounding the Han Solo film. There have been huge developments and bigger waves throughout the fan community. Something like this has to be discussed, so I'm here to bring you a solo episode. So just bear with me as it's going to be missing the usual polish that Pat brings. I won't beat you over the head with all the details, as so many other podcasts and blogs have been dissecting it for a couple weeks now. After all, the only info we have is what the official statements say, i.e. generic PR filler, and reports from anonymous sources. Here's the long and the short of it, though. The Han Solo origin film, codenamed Red Cup, has been in principal photography since January, under the direction of Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Uh, You may know these uh, directors from the work on the Lego movie, 21 Jump Street, even uh, Clone High, if you uh, are a fan of old cartoons from the early 2000s. Lawrence Kasdan and his son wrote the script, and rightfully so, as Kasdan is responsible for making Han Solo such such an iconic character. And the Hollywood veteran was reportedly very excited about the directional pair they chose. On June 21st, however, Lucasfilm made an almost unprecedented move when it announced Lord and Miller were no longer directing the film. Statements from the studio and the director cited creative differences, as anyone might have expected. Reports from the set have supported this. Lord and Miller have a somewhat improvisational approach, while Kasdan rarely deviates from the script. Kathleen Kennedy, head of Lucasfilm, was also reportedly displeased with the direction the film was headed. With only three weeks or so left in principal photography, while production was already paused for a scheduled break, Kennedy made the move to release Lord and Miller, directly firing them, an extremely rare decision in Hollywood. It was announced a few days later that veteran director Ron Howard was to take up the job and finish the main production. Reshoots had already been scheduled for later this summer, so now the final product we get next year will be a tapestry woven by Lord Miller, Howard, and whoever directs the reshoots if it's not Howard. I personally think they should credit the director as Lord Howard Miller, but uh, I digress. There's the story in a nutshell, without relying too much on the hearsay that's spreading around the internet community. I want to emphasize here that we shouldn't rely too much on gossip. Little tidbits of these reports are being taken out of context and as literal fact. Two particular things stand out to me. A quote that Kennedy disagreed with Lord and Miller about everything, including, quote, the way they folded their socks, end quote. And another report that claims they were turning the character into an Ace Ventura-style slapstick character. I think these are clearly exaggerated turns of phrase. Or at least I really hope that's the case. Only the people involved can truly speak to what happened. I imagine we'll see some nitty-gritty expose about this debacle in ten years or something. Until then, we can only speculate and I like, I like to stay somewhat grounded in matters like this. 
don't read too much into the bombastic aspects of reports like these and try to take any rumors from the set with a grain of salt. What I'm gleaning from everything I've read and heard about the situation, it boils down to this. The production wasn't advancing quite the way the studio wanted, but the benefit of the doubt was given in hopes that the finished product would come together nicely. At a critical stage in development, Kennedy, Kazdan, and or Lucasfilm as a whole decided something had to be done, and they acted decisively. This doesn't need to reflect negatively on Lord, Miller, Kennedy, Kasdan, or anyone at Lucasfilm. Lord and Miller have their own way of doing things, and it wasn't working for the studio that hired them, so they were released. It's unfortunate. I was looking forward to seeing what they would do with a Star Wars film, but ultimately it will be for the best. Lucasfilm has a vested interest in putting out the best Star Wars films it can, and maintaining some sense of creative and story cohesion is essential to that. We saw what happens if these things are ignored with the prequels, when George Lucas disregarded the expanded universe content and the stylistic approach his fans expected. Let's not forget what happened with Rogue One either. Reshoots were done under the supervision of another director to retool the story and bring it closer to the studio's vision. Gareth Edwards has publicly been very satisfied with the finished product anyway. It's the fans who have been displeased after seeing footage used in the trailers that didn't make it to the theater. Lucasfilm is very aware of our complaints in these departments, and surely they want to avoid repeating history. If things had been allowed to continue, we would have ended up with a film that displeased the directors, the creative team, and the audience alike. It's fun to speculate. Hell, we do plenty on this show. But there's a tendency in online fan communities nowadays to examine everything under a super-powered microscope and blow things out of proportion. People get up in arms when scenes from trailers don't make it into the finished product. When the reality is, productions change over time. Something put into trailers six months before the movie's release date aren't guaranteed to see the final cut, and we have to trust the director. It worked out just fine for Rogue One. Those trailer scenes wouldn't have made a difference anyways. And we should give Lucasfilm the benefit of the doubt here as well. After all, Kathleen Kennedy isn't some upstart executive making rash decisions. She's a longtime veteran of the industry who has worked alongside some of the greatest names in cinema. Attacking her personally for her decisions, when by all indications it's Lord and Miller who weren't following what they're supposed to do, is unwarranted. Let's all relax a little bit and let the professionals handle the job. If there is one good thing to be gleaned from this, in my books, it's that we might see the movie delayed to December. Disney has held firm to the current May date, but it would be totally justifiable to push it back six months. We here at the Quarter Portion Podcast are digging the Christmas release window that we've had the last couple of years, and that extra time would allow Ron Howard that much more time to polish the final product. Let's face it, this movie is definitely going to need extra care in the editing now. Let's move on to some more positive news. At D23 last weekend, we got a new behind-the-scenes featurette about The Last Jedi. I know I just talked about not scrutinizing these things too heavily, but there are some very interesting shots. What grabbed my attention most was a shot of Daisy Ridley, armed with a lightsaber, fighting off three assailants at once. Whether this is just rehearsal or actual shooting remains to be seen, but it was enough to get me excited. If you haven't seen this video yet, it's on our Facebook page. You can also find uh, two of the character-specific teaser posters they released for the movie as well. Um, as I point out on the Facebook page, both Luke and Ray's posters show them holding Anakin's lightsaber. So I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> We also recently got the first eight shorts of Forces of Destiny, the new animated property aimed particularly at younger audiences, especially female fans. I've watched most of them twice now. The first time through, the shorts didn't blow me away. I admit I'm not a big fan of the animation style. I've said the same thing about the Clone Wars and Rebels in the past, and both eventually grew on me, but I don't really see that happening here. It's a minimalist style that does its job, but some of the character models are a little strange. But let's face it, that's easy to look past. Each short is a moment of time hinging upon a heroine's choices, how they respond to different scenarios. Usually this involves them dealing with some kind of threat in a non-lethal way. 
I really admire the way some of these scenes were set up. Remember that scene in The Force Awakens when Rey meets BB-8 and they walk off into the sunset, and just before the shot ends, a strange creature pokes its eye stalks out of the sand to watch them go? That's the way the first short, Sands of Jakku, begins, and the creature turns out to be a much bigger threat than it seems. I love that shot in the movie, and to see it expanded upon in this animated medium was neat. We also see Le Leia and Wicket travel to Bright Tree Village, and some other adventures from Ahsoka, Padme, and Jin. Again, some people like to nitpick every little thing about every little Star Wars project. Twitter was rampant with people dismissing the series after the first episode because of the way it handles BB-8's weight. Ray is able to catch him while running, which is inconsistent with the way Finn struggles to carry him in and out of the Falcon's compartments in the movie. I get where they're coming from, it doesn't quite add up, but this is science fiction. We've already suspended our disbelief to accommodate countless other things that don't quite add up. Can't we roll with this one in an animated short? It's the second viewing where I truly saw the value of Forces of Destiny, however. You see, I watched it with my daughter. She's almost two years old, so perhaps she's on the absolute lowest side of the target audience. She loves Paw Patrol and Moana, but has a limited attention span for most other things on television. But after the first two shorts, she was totally enthralled. She sat still and watched attentively as we went through the first six, all that was available at that time. When it stopped, she seemed to anticipate more. I told her that was all for now, and she sadly said, oh. I told her we'd watch the rest when they were released the next day. Sure enough, when I put those two episodes on the next day, she fell right back in that groove. Maybe you don't like the animation style. Maybe you want to nip details like a droid's weight. Maybe you have bigger problems with Star Wars philosophies of representation. But let's face it, we adult fans are not the key demographic for Forces of Destiny. Watch the show with your kids, or younger relatives, or whatever other children are in your life. And you should see what the series is all really all about. These shorts are perfectly designed for kids who aren't yet able to handle the movies or other animated shows, or who haven't seen anything related to Star Wars. They're a terrific gateway to the larger mythos. Watching them with my daughter, and watching her reactions, was one of the most fun experiences I've ever had with Star Wars, at least since Rogue One came out. Well, that about wraps up our solo episode. I said a few things I wanted to kind of discuss, and uh, wanted to remind you all that we're still out here. As I said, we hope to be back in full swing soon. We want to catch up with our review series and get back on schedule. There's still so much to talk about. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it and tell a friend. Or better yet, leave us a review on iTunes. We'll need your help spreading the word about the show and helping us get our groove back. And word of mouth is the best way to do that. Do you have a question or comment on today's episode? Or anything else in the Star Wars universe? Tell that to Kyber Club. And by that, I mean drop us a line on Twitter. At Kyber Club. That's... K-Y-B-E-R Club, or on Facebook at the Quarter Portion Podcast's official page. Your opinions and questions are worth 60 portions to us. Ask a question and we'll gladly answer on the show. Check out www.kyberclub.com for all of our contact information as well as our blog. You can find Patrick on Twitter at Django Fletch. Send him some Get Well Soon vibes. I'm on Twitter at Hoogathy. You can also find my personal website at www.hoogrambles.com. H-O-O-G rambles.com and be sure to check out our sister show the Netflix podcast where I recently appeared to help review The Force Awakens. May you be one with the Force and may the Force be with you.